and welcome to Beyond Beckdale, a podcast about film and feminism. I'm your host, Contrera. Solo, a Star Wars story, came out this week and in between all of the reviews and opinions from people watching this newest member of the Star Wars canon was an amazing tweet that caught my attention and in fact caught the attention of the whole film world. Dr Rebecca Harrison works at Glasgow University lecturing in film and television and she has spent the last few months painstakingly going through every single Star Wars film to see how often women appeared on screen. It was depressing viewing to say the least. The film with the highest percentage of female characters on screen was The Last Jedi with only 43%. So have a think about that statistic and what it says about female representation in Star Wars. I was lucky enough to grab an hour with Becca to talk about her findings, why she decided to do this, what she likes and doesn't like about Star Wars, her opinions on Solo and her opinions on the Bechdel test. The interview does contain some mild spoilers for Solo and a few other films in the Star Wars universe, so just a warning. Hopefully that won't stop you from enjoying this really fascinating interview with an expert. And here it is. Hello, Becca. I'm going to say Becca. (laughs) So, um... This has been um, so much fun for me because uh, I discovered your tweet, which is now, I don't know how many tweets it had. It had like 5,000 retweets when I first saw it. Um, I I discovered your tweet and then didn't realise that actually um, your tweet was coming from a position of somebody who had been really really looking into a subject in depth hence your part I wanted to mention where you said don't at me this is canon so could you perhaps um give a little bit of an explanation as to what your tweet said and um why you have decided to carry out the research that you mentioned within it yeah um so the tweet was it was kind of a parody of a lot of the other tweets that I've seen recently of people giving lists of their favorite Star Wars films um, one in particular that I saw that was really funny was someone who just listed the films in chronological order <laughs> and then just kind of sat back and waited while people started shouting at them on Twitter for having listed the films in chronological order. Um, so it was it was actually kind of a parody of that. Um, but it it lists all of the canon, in according to Disney, the canon Star Wars films, excluding Solo, because I haven't had a chance to do yeah. that yet, uh, in the order... Um, of how much screen time they give to women. Um, so I can say a bit more about that if that's useful. Yes, um, please. Yeah, um, so I worked that out by basically taking every single one of the films and painstakingly editing out all of the men. <laughs> so I have gone through and I have cut all of the men's dialogue um, as much as I can of the men off screen unless it interferes with a woman speaking Um, and I've gone through and tried as much as possible to work out uh, what gender certain characters are so that I can kind of keep them in or take them out accordingly so uh, anything that's in a herd so porgs or they're kind of in a pack I guess um, they get to say because I'm not going to go through and check each porg Um, (laughs) for genitalia (laughs) apparently they have different eye feathers depending oh. on what gender they are. Okay. Um, so um, 
the pork stay, uh, but then and the Minox interestingly stay um, from Empire Strikes Back because they don't appear to have a gender. They just replicate by dividing in half okay. and splitting in two. Uh, but then things like droids and aliens tend to be gendered by the franchise. So BB-8, uh, R2 and C-3PO, they are all um, programmed male, according to kind of official canon. Um, new droid L3 in Solo, she'll get to stay eventually because she's programmed female. And I heard that the, the, you, you said the Wampa was a male, is that correct? Yeah, the yeah. Wampa, yeah, <laughs> Apparently so. Apparently females exist too somewhere on Hoth, yeah. the one we see is a <laughs> Nice to know which uh, gender you're sleeping inside. Um, and the crystal foxes, I'm guessing, the same as the porgs, so you don't know what the gender yeah, are. Yeah, Vultex is, or Vultex, I'm not sure which is plural or singular. Yes, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. They, they all get to say, yeah, mm. because there's no real way of, of being able to discern what gender they are. And did you find that a more difficult process because one of the key factors about the Star Wars universe is that it's about characters who don't identify as human or, or a lot of them, not in the way that we would understand a human, even though I know I, I know nobody is technically a human, but as in how we would see them. So um, already you have to look into something which you wouldn't in, say, a, a, a film that's set on Earth. Yeah, and it's... it's- Quite, I mean, lots of people I know complain about the level of detail that the kind of Star Wars franchise gives about all of its characters and all the kind of backstory. And, it, you know, there's too much detail. We don't need to know all this stuff. But actually, for me and for my purposes, it was really useful because, yeah, a lot of the time, like, I can't tell whether an alien is what gender it is, if it even has one. Um, so I was quite often looking either on the Star Wars kind of its own kind of encyclopedia on um, Wikipedia, Wikipedia. <laughs> or going on what the kind of writers have said or kind of the other stuff is you're just looking for evidence in the text. Um, so are the characters referred to by gendered pronouns? Did you find that there was a great deal of gendering within the films? You kind of mentioned that earlier because I think that one of the things I'm most interested in for the podcast is where we are surreptitiously gendering or discriminating against based on gender yeah I mean I, I, it's actually quite astounding in the Star Wars <laughs> universe that there are so many kind of binary gendered characters um, there's not really a huge amount of space for non-binary characters um, as someone rightly pointed out on Twitter earlier on um, when I'm talking about women I'm talking about cisgender women as far as we know because there is well, there's certainly no trans actresses that I can think of. I think I'm probably right in saying there's no trans actresses so far in Star Wars. Not that I am aware of, no. But there are very few actresses anyway, so it can, yeah, you can kind of narrow true. that down. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah, in terms of thinking about it in an intersectional way, you know, the, the women that are there, like there's a kind of appalling representation of the sort of diversity of women's experiences. There are really few women of colour, um, so even the women that are there tend to be mostly white. Yeah, and when you had um, uh, the character, uh, how do you say it, Ma- Maz Kanaka, so uh, is that how you say the... Yeah, even um, uh, the actress ha- is playing a, like a, a semi-animated CGI character, so you can tell that she's a woman and she obviously speaks with a female voice, but um, 
uh, that that character seemed to me like it didn't matter how long she was on that was the was that the last jedi i've seen a lot of star wars films recently yeah, i mix them all up so it's Nyong'o's character yes um and she's in the force awakens and the last jedi right but yeah obviously Lupita Nyong'o is not actually on screen no. so even though there's a black actress voicing the character she's yeah. still kind of erased from you can't tell racial profile, I don't think, in the character. And I've just re- remembered. So in The Last Jedi, she's only in a very small scene in which she's on a screen, isn't she? When Or it's a communication. Yeah, so even then. Hmm. So your results didn't come out as positively as perhaps someone like me expected, given that we had an earlier version of the podcast where I was raving about The Last Jedi and how, um, you know, we'd had characters like Laura Dern's Holdo and talking to Leia. And I felt like at least this was a film that passed the Bechdel test, which is one of obviously the key tests I use to discuss how females are represented on film. So, were you um, surprised by the results? I was surprised by how bad A New Hope was. Mm. And I was actually, I was, I mean, I I guess I was also surprised by the prequels. Um, I think because one of the things that is quite fascinating about the results is that the prequels score lower than some of the original trilogy films, so from the 80s. And you think, (laughs) you know, we like to think that things get better over time and that, you know, as we move through history, we become more progressive, we get better at representation and that we're moving in this kind of straight line. Um, so it's really interesting for me as a historian, like a lot of my job is actually trying to say to people, no, it doesn't, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. So I, was, I guess I was kind of surprised on a personal level, but in like thinking about like the kind of bigger picture of how this usually works, not, not really. Um, mm-hmm. But I am really, I'm kind of, heartened i guess by the fact that the more recent films the disney era films are getting better um well do we yeah do (laughs) not gonna come top i don't think and um as i was discussing with you on twitter today i'm i am deeply shocked by rogue one that's that for me is the most shocking because and this is where we get into a divergence between female representation i.e a character who does quite a lot in a film and um women talking or female uh, gender characters talking to each other and working together on film because i just thought that rogue one was a real step forward going to your point um because of jim being this character who seems to be the main character and then your research found out that she was only on screen for 35 percent of the film yeah so she's she's got about 35 percent of this Jin and... Oh, sorry, that's all female characters, isn't it? Sorry, uh, sorry. There might be someone, I think there's maybe about four or five women speaking parts in Rogue One. Um, I don't think it's many. And um, Jin is, yeah, she she mainly just talks to men and she's on screen with men all the time. She's surrounded by male characters. And in some ways I don't want to put this film down too much because it certainly did a lot in terms of like racial diversity and representation, but that was almost entirely for men. Yeah. You know, the film yeah. is still centered around just one white woman. Um, I think it just about, just about passes the Bechdel test. I think she exchanges, I think we, I, I'm always a bit ambivalent about what we class as a conversation. Yes. In films. <laughs> I think Mon Mothma says a line to Jin and she responds with a line and neither of those lines are about men. No. 
So I think it just... Yeah, that would be a generous interpretation of which I'm willing to cling on to in order to have anything. But that shows how in 2018 or 2016, 17, when that was made, how things are still really bad in my opinion in 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 the sense of it not being about man um as we've kind of yeah mentioned the Bechdel test we can kind of go into that a bit um when I've interviewed people for the podcast I generally ask them what they think about the test as a whole because I am coming to a point now where well, we're not meeting it enough in in any films it's getting better but um particularly in something which is so widely regarded loved and seems to now be growing Um, in terms of the number of films like Marvel, the the Disney uh, Star Wars universe, um, I think it's something that needs to come out because we need to be looking at what's the most effective way to represent um, uh, female and non-binary on screen. And um, I even struggle a lot with what you do with non-binary. I think in Star Wars that you could definitely have um, robots who make a point uh, droids for example who make a point or even more human looking characters of doing that and they don't seem to have gone that far but Jyn Erso is such a like the figurehead of Rogue One that is the fact that she only has one snippet of a conversation with Mon Mothma that isn't about a man detrimental is, part, is failing the Bechdel test um such a bad thing if we're getting her on screen even though we're not getting her on screen for anything more than whatever it is 28 (laughs) percent yeah i actually because i think i mean generally i think the test is really useful um i think it's as with all of these things including my own kind of research looking at statistics it's it's just one way of testing gender representation and I think it's useful to look at it in conjunction with other types of evidence. So, for example, like with my statistics, I'm not saying this is this is it. Well, we've got statistics. This means that The Last Jedi is the best film for representing women because you have to look at quality yes. as well. You yes. have to look at the quality of representation, which is where something like the Bechdel test comes in and is useful as like another type of evidence. Um, so I'm, I, I'm generally in favour of it. And I think that... Actually, I think we need to be kind of more strict about how we apply it. I don't know if it's useful to say, Rogue One passes the Bechdel test because two women characters say one line at each other and we call that a conversation. Uh, and I think it's, we need to think about what, what does it mean if we've got a woman on screen always surrounded by men? That's still mm. existing in like an entirely masculinized world. And that's not to say we can't tell those stories and that they're not important. But look, why can't we also have a Star Wars film where there are more women in this world and where women do talk to each other and where they get to spend time on screen together? Otherwise, it feels like you're always getting women mediated by men still. Given the gravity of the situation and your history with Saul, we're hoping that he would help us locate your father and return him to the Senate for testimony. And if I do it, we'll make sure you go free.
I felt that with Rogue One is that the the makers, obviously, you know, I don't know exactly who's involved, but um, you know, there are um, there were story editors and developers, uh, script writers, director, um, production, and a DP who were all men. You have Kathleen Kennedy, who obviously sits at the at the top of um, Disney, and she gets to her green light things. But ultimately, I felt that it were the film was paying lip service to well, we have our main character seemingly male uh, main character as a woman and therefore we don't need to do anything else um and I completely agree with you as well about they maybe there needs to be degrees of the Bechdel test you're right if you make it binary pass or fail then the smallest of conversations seems like a positive tick box and um especially if you put that out on social media or you put it in articles and in other journalism pieces people will read that and read a lot more into it in terms of how um successful the film is at gender representation so um i'm looking at different versions of the test and to what degree it passes it because yeah it, it shouldn't be binary and it certainly shouldn't be the only test um and kind of going back to my previous question whether i made it clear enough i was kind of thinking that you can have a female representation test where a film uh, fails the Bechdel test but yeah. passes in terms of the women are on screen in um, uh, in pivotal roles, Rogue One, uh, are in positions of power, The Last Jedi, um, and are furthering the plot. Now, that could be that they're discussing a man, and I don't really have a problem with that if that man is the lead character in the film and they are everything. Because normally what happens is every... Um, everyone from kind of co-lead downwards in a traditional film script are, are always working to further the hero's plot. So, and on, and, and on, the, on the flip side of that, you can also have uh, Jin as a heroine and then, like, I don't know if you've ever looked at this or whether you'd want to look at this, but I wonder how many people in Rogue One talk about Jin. How many, how many male characters talk about female characters? So kind of reverse... Bechdel test. Yeah, actually, it's interesting in Rogue One because they do talk about Jin, but they do it in this very um, uh, disempowering way, in that she's constantly <laughs> referred to by other characters as the girl. So because she's the like only girl, <laughs> female character, and unnaming her, which is like it's really interesting. Um, she, she also she's an interesting character. She, she doesn't get to say very much. And so much of the work that she does on screen is actually through her face and through her gestures. And she's really silent. Mm. There are like four swathes of the film where she has no dialogue and everything is just about kind of reaction shots. So do you think um, then there's something to be said for... Because if she was... This would be an interesting discussion, more, a, a, a more, a, a better, a fairer um, comparison if she was actually on screen for a, a longer period of time. Because there seems to be a dichotomy there between a pivotal role, let's say Leia Organa in The Lost Jedi. Lost Jedi is because it's one of the ones I've seen my re most recently. And like you said, it's probably has a... Um, uh, it has more female characters on screen uh, interacting with each other, full stop. Um she has a pivotal role in the film, but she's probably not on... I'm, I'm hoping that Ginesso is on screen more than Leia is in The Last Jedi. I don't know if you know off the top of your head. Um, but 
Yeah. I mean, she actually gets really little screen time. Yeah. So, but I still think that she's, she's, you know, one of the things you remember about the film is her particularly certain scenes with her and also her conversation, her conversations with Holdo, which was some of the most enjoyable conversations for me. So you have that where you have uh, two female characters talking to each other. It's a small part of the film, but it's a if it's a pivotal part of the film, is that again a different test? Like how much are the, to what extent are the female characters um, intrinsic to the plot, even if they're not necessarily on screen? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I also, I loved that conversation between Leia and Holdo. I think partly because it was one of the few moments in a Star Wars film where it, like, it, there's not even a question about whether it passes the Bechdel test because it, it is like an actual conversation between two women that's got like an emotional resonance and it's furthering the plot and it's kind of doing all the things that you want a film to do at once. It's not just throwing lines at each other. Um, whereas I think, so actually in Solo, Again, I think it does just about pass the Bechdel test. But the characters are... Yeah. Because kind of, they are furthering the plot in the conversation that they're having. But it's still just a line here, a line there. Yeah, I'm just trying to think, actually. So you have Kira talking to... Oh my god, I forget her name. The swamp monster woman who's who I'm thinking is identifying. Is she a queen? Is she? Oh, um, is she... Lake Proxima. Yes, you're brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but I think that might be about Han. So I can't remember. Yeah. And then um, do we? And, and again, like uh, this is the thing. I was uh, I can't remember Tandy Newton's character's name. I have a whole separate issue. Oh. Sorry. Val. Val, Val. So do, do Kira and Val talk? I don't remember them I, seeing each other. So no, they don't no. speak. Um, so Kira speaks to... Oh, Emphis Nest? Security guard. Oh, <laughs> right. So there's a security guard at the border on... Um... Oh, gosh. I'm yes. Corellia. What's it called? Corellia. Thank you. And they get to the border... And then the woman security guard um, won't let them through, and they're trying to bribe her with this vial of coaxium. Yes. And she says, you have to put it in the drawer and give it to me. And Kira says, you know, if I do that, then, you know, you have to open the door straight away. Or you have to open the door first before I'll do this. That's it. That's, that's the dialogue that gets passed between them. That's why I struggled so much to remember anything. What did you think about Star Wars as a film and as a film that's part of the Star Wars canon? I actually, contrary to what many critics have said, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was, it was really fun. It was entertaining. It, I kind of enjoyed the sort of heist movie sort of genre that they brought to it. Um, and I think it was, I mean, it was, it was very nostalgic. I quite, I'm a Star Wars fan. Like, I loved that. Yeah. I was quite happy to be kind of, like, swept along with it. Um, there were moments, particularly when they're all on the Millennium Falcon, there were these moments where I was like, this is like being a Star Wars fan as a kid all over again. Aww. Like, I kind of had, like, a certain amount of joy when I was watching the film. Um, More than The but... Last Jedi? Sorry? More than The Last Jedi? Definitely more than The Last Jedi, um, which 
I'm still really ambivalent about. Um, there were parts of that film that I, I loved and thought worked really well, and then there were kind of pacing issues and script issues that I was not so keen on. Um, I mean, this was, I think, I, I would say that Solo is a much simpler film. Mm. Nowhere near as complicated. Um, and for that reason, I just found, you know, it was kind of a really easy film to watch and to like. And I think the characters um, in it, male and female, because we can talk about Han and we can talk about Lando, but they already have, um, you know, these stories and all these comics that have been written and everything else, all these, like, you know, TV shows and animation. So th- there's so much there for them already that, and they're already beloved. And so I suppose a lot of people were thinking, well, their expectations were high and then they could only go down. Whereas for the newer characters, like, and particularly the female ones so Kira Val L3 let's say is the three main ones they they were all brand new so it could only lift your expectations for them because they're there they exist um I I really liked it I there were some bits I didn't like um in relation to the plot, I think that the dialogue, some of the dialogue was appalling, like the naming of Han Solo, where the guy names him Solo because he, uh, because Han doesn't have any people, was just, uh, made me go, uh. but um, I, um, uh, the relationship between Han and Kira was, I really cared about, which is amazing if you think that, you know, we all know what happens with Leia. Um, I really enjoyed... Oh. Uh, Kira as a character I thought she had depth and she had shade so um, and obviously it seems to me by the end of the film they're trying to give her more development and she could almost be the star of the sequel if that's the way they're going I don't know if anything's been released yet from Disney Um, I did feel like that Val was a little bit fridged um yeah so uh and again this is what always happens when it comes to interviews so woody harrelson's character his name is uh beckett <laughs> beckett thank you i was going dog it in my head. i was like it's not that it's not that beckett who is an absolute also a new character and an absolutely wonderful character i loved him uh he was one of my favorites um i feel like ron howard was trying to establish a relationship a, a love affair between Val and Beckett and then she disappeared for halfway through the movie and I couldn't believe I thought she's she's not really dead because you didn't really see her die maybe she'll come back but it it it, you know it was definitely implied that the train going through was going to kill her so and did you feel the same way as I did that you were quite surprised that that's how that how that happened yeah, I mean, I was actually, it was part of my, so say on the one hand, I really loved the film, really enjoyed it, I've seen it twice. On the other, I was so disappointed with so much of the representation of the women characters. Um, and Val was my first big, kind of, what have you done? Like, why have you done this? Um, I was like fully anticipating that she was going to be like one of the kind of lead characters through the film and that we were going to be following her story and it was going to be just as much her journey as anyone else's. But we were just getting to a point where maybe we were going to start to find out a bit more about her and her background. And then they took took her away from us. Um, and I think that that really points to a problem in the film because, you know, she's the first like major named black woman with a speaking part, like, you know, this was like a big thing, and yeah. she's in the film for what twenty minutes. 
I can take out the guards at the perimeter. Signalman, pilot, hell, I'll just take them all out. What are we looking at? Well, now we've got to shoot him. I think there was, like, even the fact that, you know, there was, like, no mourning for the character. She just kind of was there. She was gone. You know, she blows herself up to save the white guys. And that's it. We move on. And it, it just felt... I, I felt quite deflated by that. I think there was some casual racism as well, like her get-up. Um, and I can kind of see that, that you know, the, the original... If they're trying to align it chronologically with the original Star Wars film, there's, like, a little bit of kind of late 70s style. But I thought, you know, she had, like, a bit of an afro. And, and you know, um, I, I, I'm not the person to comment on, on how women of colour have their hair, but I definitely felt that that, w- that was a particular look... Um, of the kind of uh, 70s so they were trying to fit her in with that um, and uh, I, yeah just her relationship with characters is that there was just a I felt there was a stereotype there from a certain kind of foxy brown kind of character and it, it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable because I know that within Star Wars each character has a very distinct look and there's a lot of time spent and you know the, the phrases they use because with Star Wars things come up again and again and I just felt like there wasn't as much development about her like you said there was that there was no backstory um we were just we just saw a couple of um scenes around a campfire where her and Beckett were seemingly romantically involved and that was it and then yeah there was no grieving that I, I, I know that we're supposed to believe that Beckett is that kind of character but one scene with a little bit of private grief um that's still fridging but would still at least give more resonance like if I just maybe she's going to come back is is the only thing I can say in in Disney's defense I was kind of expecting for that to happen at some point in the film, I was thinking like Val's going to come back because she won't really be dead because she survived. And save the day. <laughs> She'll be in league with um, Ethnis Nest, or yeah. like there'll be there'll be some way in which we see her again. But no, but yeah. So I'm. But talking I'm of Ethnis Nest, yeah. So she, the actress, is a mixed race actress. So I suppose that you know you could say I, I do feel like Disney wants to make incremental moves forward instead of being bold. They're like, oh look, we have um, a Glover as as Lando. Oh, and we also have Tanda Newton, and we also have Ethnis Nest, who's mixed race actress, who I'd never seen anything before, and I thought she was great. Um, and it's almost like, well, we've given you this, we won't necessarily give them the same development within this film at least as they do for example Kira who's, who's your very classic white woman femme fatale and um, Emphis Nessa that, that was that was great when she took the helmet off yeah, and her reveal was amazing yeah um so and and she's young as well there definitely seems to be um a kind of an emphasis for want of a better word on um the younger generation in these films so I think that was quite a bold move I'm I'm a little bit like you in the sense that yes I enjoyed it there were it had problems but um I'm not so in love with the Star Wars franchise and I don't know as much about it that some references um uh would pass me by for example like the Darth Maul thing I've only seen the prequels like twice and that, that was you need to see people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend no. watching more than twice yeah let alone passing the Beckdale test they, they, they fail the boredom test it's all about yeah. political intrigue no intrigue I just oh, and I know lots of people have different feelings about them I do think that visually 
there are they are actually beautiful films. I think they're just as good as anything like Avatar, but I think plot wise it's a disgrace i'm just not interested which is what's so good about these newer films because i have uh, my interest rate has been peaked uh and you know keeps going up and up with each of these so there's been all of this chatter about the box office not being as high for solo but that there are two films with in less than six months that are star wars that's never happened before so and we've also had two marvel movies in the interim so i kind of feel like box office tentpole it's I, i wouldn't want anyone to make a um, distinction between the female characters or the not being the main characters except for Han Solo being why Solo isn't as successful as for example The Last Jedi yeah and I think also I saw something earlier Some I think someone said that it's you know almost halfway through the year it's the fourth highest opening weekend for a film of 2018 um also, yeah, if you think about it in context of it's only six months since the last Star Wars film, there have been two major blockbusters released just ahead of it. People are kind of waiting as well, I guess, for Jurassic World, which is about to come out. People, uh, uh, um, a film expert, um, uh, Suzanne Scott, pointed out this is, you know, it's expensive to go to the cinema. Yeah. This, this is just as much about families not being able to afford three big films for their entire family three weekends on the, on the in a row, as it is about people saying, oh, I don't want to go and see the new Star Wars film. Well, and um, also it was an, it was a, um, sorry, it was a um, unknown entity. In the, it, like, everybody knew that Infinity War would, would be wrapping up or, or attempting to, you know, on the way to wrapping up 10 years' worth of Marvel movies. Um, and Black Panther was obviously, you know, was a stand, standalone movie which was trading on the fact that it's representing people of colour across the board. Um uh, and The Last Jedi was obviously part two in a new um, uh, trilogy. So this was the only one where, yeah, expectations might be high because of the canon it's in, but nobody really knew what was going to happen. And I always think that that's where all these reviews come from. They, they, you know, it's trying to create some negativity because that's the world we live in at the moment. Excuse me. Get your presumptuous ass out of my seat. Oh. Oh, my sacral occipital circuit is sticking. You're going to have to do that thing again later. I'd quite like to talk about L3 and just droids um, in yeah. general. So um, so uh, Disney had, had, or directors or whomever, had gendered droids within all of the films. Um, and L3 is probably the first so openly female droid. Are there other female droids... There is a female droid in Attack of the Clones. Okay. Who, um, and she is um, hypergendered in that she is a waitress droid, uh, droid in a cantina that Obi-Wan <laughs> visits. Yep. And I think she maybe has like one line, um, but it's not, yeah, it's not a kind of considerable role. Okay. I- so, so L three is is well, yeah the the debut of um a, a, in the woke world of of um a female droid. I thought it was quite interesting as well that the film made her uh, have an she was an issues character, um, yeah. and I couldn't work out whether it was annoying me or not that she was the droid who wanted to free all the other droids. I find that um, because we're dealing with a film that is not supposed to be happening, um, 
in the present day or the future or you know like the last jedi which is kind of in the beyond the other films um but it's coming out in 2018 they gave they they gave her the kind of hermione uh issues which i always think is like harry potter with the uh the free free the free the sleigh bells uh i was thinking about the free the house thing actually yeah um and um so I wonder if with gender stereotyping, this is a kind of suffragette character stereotype with an issue. And, and, and part of me, and I don't know if this is bad as a feminist, part of me was like, this film is, is set where there's a 70s vibe and we know it's supposed to come chronologically in and around the um, four, five and six. So... Um, should she be this droid having the droid issues because there were films that have come later where, you know, BB-8 is that, well, I suppose BB-8 kind of does what he wants, but I felt like there was this, there was this push-pull juxtaposition between making her the issues droid and trying to show, oh, look how far we've come, but also that you're shoehorning in an issue to a character who could have done it in a, in a I don't know, less explicit manner yeah I actually so my my kind of take on the film as a whole is like I really loved the retro aesthetic and I loved the kind of 70s kind of analogy like big chunky tech vibe that it had going on but I absolutely hated what I felt like was really retro politics and that extended as well to the representation of Lando Mm. The kind of thoughts around his sexuality um race I thought it was uh, it was like really badly done um, but yeah, with L3, I I loved L3 in so many ways. I was like, this is my droid. Like, this is <laughs> like, this is my, like, woman Star Wars character that I've been waiting for. Um, I felt like we would get on. <laughs> At the same time. Yeah, I was really, so the character itself didn't annoy me in the way that I think, because I've actually, I've seen reviews by male critics saying like, oh, the droid is so annoying. And I'm, oh, really? Go figure. Um, <laughs> could that be a gendered remark you just made? But I think that the what frustrated me is that the film seems to be giving the audience that kind of space to either be sitting there thinking, this is, I mean, having Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge as the voice as well, I think was really important. Mm. I think a lot of people know her from her work on Fleabag, know her as being this kind of, like, kind of positive force in terms of women's representation. And, like, women will maybe have identified with the character and been sitting there like I was thinking, yes, like, this is great. But then, on the other hand, it also creates a space for... I'm going to go out on a limb and say particularly men to sit there and say, oh, God, this is really annoying. Like, this droid, like, of course it would be a woman, like, shouting and, like, talking about freedom. And, you know, then in itself there was... um, there was also the issue of the fact that when they go to Kessel, it's all the white characters that go into the mines and free all of the enslaved people. Mm. Was like there was, so there was this kind of... White saviour complex. Yeah. And then I was annoyed because they made it all white people. Um, and I, I just, yeah, that really didn't work for me. 
I'm yeah, I'm in complete agreement. I have to say, she occasionally annoyed me, and that's nothing against Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I, I completely exactly everything you said about why they chose her, and also because she's a good counterpoint to Anthony Daniels. She's got that kind of you know cut glass British accent. So I think that that was that was very clever because it kind of made sense with the, that type of droid. I it, a few little things bugged me. Like she walked like a pregnant woman. Like she had this. Oh no, I'm a female droid, so therefore I have to have hips. It didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. It's like you're a droid. You should be built for your purpose, not to sh- display your gender. I found that just like, I, oh, I was just cringing when I was watching her uh, walk. They had to really, really try hard to configure the droid as like visually like a woman, uh, which, yeah, I thought it was, but what I actually I did think was interesting and I kind of want to think a bit more about in some ways is actually there was a sort of, um, ambiguity about her gender I thought in that she there was a moment when she's like standing up and going to cut through a fence yes yes like almost like phallic like protrusion yes that comes out of her and then it's almost like watching a man standing up to pee it was it's like and it was like a kind of like there was a sort of slightly more masculinized kind of physicality to the to the character and that kind of like, oh, don't, like, I can't go if you're watching me. And that's which I thought was really interesting. And that they kind of, it was a bit more ambiguous, I thought. I didn't take it like that. But I think that's a really good way to look at it. Like, yes, um, the, where exactly her <laughs> machine part was uh, to cut through the fence. Yeah, that was definitely a protrusion. Um, but I, I think it was almost ruined by her saying, don't look at me. But you're right. Men do men do say that. They'll say, "Oh, I can't pee if someone's watching." But I I I thought it was a a way of of, of I was going to say a woman, but female identifying character doing the classic woman thing, which is denigrating her own talent. I don't think you see BBA with his little uh, you know all of his tricks. Or his little lighter, like he he's still definitely like he's jocular about everything. Whereas she she had a bit a big personality, and that's good. You could definitely identify her personality, but so much of it was a gender stereotype. Yeah. Um, although I did really enjoy the bit when when she said, "Oh, I think Lando's in love with me," because I d- don't think that we did see that coming. Because again, and I fall for the stereotypes like everybody else. I thought she was going to say she's in love with Lando. So spoiler alert, friend. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that yeah, was the funniest like, bit. <laughs> in quite a funny way. Um, although it was such a shame because they had that. There was a moment when Kira and. L3 are talking to each other I think when that conversation happens and at first they're talking about the maelstrom and the, the kind of big like storm system that they're about to fly into and then they say like, a few words about that and then immediately start talking about Lando and they start talking about Han and it's like, oh, we're, like, oh we're talking about men again so it didn't last very long And I never know, like I interrogate this with every film I watch nowadays. I can't work out if these are deliberate choices or they are, these are choices made by a patriarchal crew who don't 
realize that that's happening and the more films I watch and the more people I speak to and the, the more I realize how few uh, female cast and crew members there are I, I think it's the latter and then I also thought what was there a fridging of L3 as well because oh she became the Millennium Falcon and oh maybe that's why we gender a spaceship but um, I yeah I don't know what that means in the future that will probably just mean the classic trope of a female voice being the voice of a spaceship which you see across the board yeah I, I actually it, that, it, I thought there was something quite like there was actually probably the most moving point of the film was L3's death mm. which was I, there was a, I got quite kind of worked up about mm. it actually and I think that they they gave her a lot more space to be mourned than Val. Oh my God, yes. So, like, yeah, and that we, you know, so the black woman dies and we just move on and then the the droid dies and we're all really upset by that, which I think is has its own kinds of problems. Um, but the fact that they, that the fact that she kind of became part of the Millennium Falcon, I was like, that changes everything in the rest of the films. Like how you, when you watch... The original trilogy back and when, now when you rewatch the sequel films that ship means something different now it's got it's this kind of embodiment of l3 in a way that it wasn't before which i think is i think it's good in the star kind of, it's a character universe. that we know yeah. rather than it just being the ship and it also for me really changes like han going in and taking the ship from lando Yes. Because he's no longer just taking the ship, he's taking his he's... beloved droid. And that and like and like that kind of taking of you know, not a female body, but a kind of a woman's sort of personality programming, I think is actually quite strange. Um again, it's something that I haven't thought about that much, but it's also that it's a trophy idea, isn't it? And we have a literal trophy, but we all also have the female trophy, which is the the, the the female personality or what have you that L3 has made the Millennium Falcon come into. So, yeah, there's there's kind of good and bad there because there's good because, yes, that kind of gives a bit more um, resonance from a film-watching perspective and a Star Wars perspective as to everything else in relation to the Millennium Falcon. And it kind of, I think that probably explains how Lando's so, like, angry in um is empire strikes back yeah um uh so that would make more sense but um at the same time i feel like we were robbed of another female character and that she has now become a trophy that men control (laughs) if i'm going to be brutally yeah yeah um yeah yeah i actually cried at the death of um k2so that was actually that was my yeah the, the thing that's most moved me in the in every single star wars film apart from some of the stuff in the last jedi and uh that amazing scene where um you have the destroyer and the silence that really moved me but that's got nothing yeah. to do with uh gender and um, i just i i developed a deeper relationship with k2s i found i found that he 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 really did put his life in in, in uh, in sorry his uh, put the human life in front of his own whereas i think that she uh, l3 didn't really want to do that that's just what happened because she was trying to free all the other 
droids and you know like it doesn't have to be about the female characters like what's Chewie doing he, he was trying to save some Wookiees there could be a whole other film about that which I'd be interested in and and was it was it a female Wookiee who he like rubbed noses with or was it a friend is that how they greet each other I, I wasn't sure I'm not sure and again do, yeah and do we know his sexuality I'm 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 um uh, gender normalizing it already so he he might be gay i don't know so and i think in think in canon chewie has a wife so oh really okay yeah. so but that could be her if that's how they romantically yeah uh, i'm not sure i think actually, I'm or is it just it's like was it heads together i can't actually remember but i thought it was a lovely moment um, yeah, I think there's, I'm sure Chewie has a wife in canon, but I know, I mean, it's not canon anymore, but I know in the holiday special, he definitely has a wife and I think kids as well, so. Okay. Well, the holiday special was a long time ago. Maybe we can, yeah, maybe it doesn't retcon anymore, so. that. <laughs> not good. Let's get him in a relationship with Lando. That covers a lot of, like, you know, <laughs> bases. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Which is so frustrating about the writers like doing I think it's a bit of a JK Rowling trick actually to say yes our character is pansexual but then when you watch the film you're like where where like are they like because there's actually no evidence of it whatsoever and it just felt like massive queer basing to kind of promise like we've created this pansexual character it's the first pansexual character and 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 great and I would love for Lambo to be pansexual and I think that's brilliant and wonderful but like you have to explicitly show it yeah Um, you do like the Lando sexuality I found really really troubling because he was kind of set up as you know the kind of like the the black man whose sexuality white people are scared of and at the end of the film the the character that he kind of really was flirting with where there was a kind of more explicit suggestion of sex was a black woman and I was like Mm. you've just completely contained and neutralized his power and sexuality by kind of saying in the same way that Hollywood always does, black people can only have sex with other black people. Otherwise it's a threat to white people. Mm. And that really, really annoyed me. Oh yeah, definitely. Can I ask you a question, Captain Calrissian? Anything, Han? That's Han, but that's okay. I heard a uh, story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. I just don't know why there's not like a QA. Why is there nobody just like a kind of like an anti-discrimination QA group of people? I nominate myself. You can join me, yeah, and we can we'll fly out to LA. We'll be, like, yeah. we'll be Star Wars script consultants. Yes, it's just. So I just feel like did did somebody say something? Man or woman doesn't have to be a woman who's leading the cause all the time, which is another issue. But did someone say something and it was ignored, or did nobody say anything? And it's just... Because that's yeah. worse. It's worse if someone said anything and it was ignored. But if nobody said anything... Well, or maybe people didn't feel comfortable to say anything. I really don't know how it works on these film sets. Yeah, you'll probably find no one said anything. Yeah. We are saying uh, something now. Yes. Um, actually, because there was one other thing that really bothered me about gender representation in the film, um, which was to do with Kira and Han's relationship, mm-hmm. uh, which was that, I mean, I think she was kind of an interesting character, and it's really refreshing to see a woman 
be the kind of like a bit evil in Star Wars because mm-hmm. they're usually one thing that I think is really noticeable about, noticeable about the women in general is that you know Leia, Rey, Jin, they all have this kind of real sense of morality and they do the right thing and they can be counted upon to be the kind of you know Rose as well um, particularly in yes. The Last Jedi like the kind of there's like the moral compass of Star Wars. Um, so I was like really, really pleased that Kira kind of bucked the trend. But what frustrated me was that, you know, the story arc of Han is that we've got to get from him being, you know, kind of lovable baby faced rogue to this kind of misogynistic, bitter, worn kind of space cowboy who says, I know when Leia tells him <laughs> she loves him, who is rude to her, who undermines her who, like, calls her princess in that, like, really sarcastic, kind of sardonic way. Like, we've got to get from, like, that Han to that Han. And, like, what the film seems to do is to say, well, if it hadn't have been for Kira, you know, and it's that kind of, like, it's the fact that she's kind of, like, leading him on but denies him sex, like, they don't ever get to have sex. She refuses him, she turns him down. And then he goes on to be this kind of, like, bitter guy who, you know, is, like, mean to women. And I, like, that, at a moment, I mean, it's not like this moment hasn't always been in our present. It's always been the case. It's very visible right now. Like, the kind of incel Mm. narrative about, you know, if a woman turns you down, if a woman refuses you sex, then you have the right to be this kind of misogynistic, awful like sexist guy and like and I mean even worse in fact in real life so I'm I'm really troubled by that story arc and think that they are, like, I'm really really disappointed in the film for saying for kind of saying oh well it's a woman's fault that harm becomes like that do you think it's saying that let's say I have a magic wand because um, Disney have heard this podcast and uh, they're like, right, yeah, then we need you two to fly to LA and you can be the consultant on the next movie. Because I don't think we're at a point yet where Kira is completely that way. I think it's just set up. What would you like from the next solo or, you know, that group of characters movie? Oh... Well, I would like to see actual pansexual Lando yeah. <laughs> for a start. Um, and, I mean, I'm kind of happy for, for Kira to be, you know, one of the bad guys, for want of a better phrase, yeah. a bad woman. Um, I think that's fine. Women shouldn't have to always be, like, the just and right and kind characters. Um, but I would like to see something happen to Han to make him the character that we know he becomes that isn't the result of a woman saying no to him. Yes. I would, I would kind of like there to be, you know, whether it's something about, I don't know, his relationship with his dad or, you know, he gets double crossed by another man or something, but it's, he I, is I of working for Jabba the Heart. Like, <laughs> so, he is of working for Jabba the Heart. Like that's oh, probably that's enough. <laughs> I think Kira could be a component. She doesn't have to be the reason. What are you doing here? I, I work here. What's your excuse? My, I, Kira, I was... I, I was coming back for you. 
It's in the past. Hon. Not for me. The only reason I'm here, I was doing this job, get a little money, and then I was going to come back to Corelli and find you. Well, you don't have to. I'm right in front of you. Thank you so much for this. I have one final question. What's your favourite Star Wars movie? Oh, oh that's such a hard question. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I have... I mean, I have two, and they're both original trilogies, so I'd probably say, like, Return of the Jedi is my favourite because it was the first one I saw when I was probably about three. Oh, my God. And I don't think I really understood it, but I loved it, and I have been a Star Wars fan ever since. Um, but I'd probably say, like, my, my... And I say this with feeling so guilty because it's probably one of the most misogynistic of all the films, um, but it has to be Empire Strikes Back. Oh. It is, but a film can be a good film and still be holding back the feminist cause. That's part of the problem with, like, the entire canon of films made today. <laughs> there are so many that are great that are actually terrible if you um, delve into them. So, um, you know, I don't think we really want them to remake Empire Strikes Back, but if it ever does get remade, let's hope that, you know, that it changes the... Uh, the dynamic there yeah and I think it's really important that people understand that, you know you can you can be feminist and you can see problems in things but you can also enjoy it at the same time yeah two things not mutually exclusive no rage and fun enjoyment but still a bit of rage yeah uh, <laughs> thank you so much Dr Rebecca Harrison um uh, where else can people uh, read your work you have a website don't you I was reading some really cool stuff on that yeah, so yeah, I have a blog which is writingonreels.uk, um, or you can find me on Twitter. And I, I and you're writing a book, I hear. I am writing a book. Um, the title is slightly up in the air, um, but it is probably going to be called uh, "Deciphering Star Wars." Hmm. Uh, it's going to be about the relationship between filmmaking and the use of software and like digital animation and digital distribution in the Star Wars franchise but like really thinking about it through the gender and race in terms of like who gets to make the films and what do the films look like. Sounds great well I'll be reading that when it comes out I'm sure you've got you've got a lot to work work to do on it yeah. yet. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and a great conversation. Thanks very much. Thank you so much to Dr. Rebecca Harrison for her time. Please check out her writing and particularly her very witty tweets. To play us out, here's some music from Solo. See you next time. Bye.